Ideas bursting forth from deep inside my head like plutonium baboons. It sounds like something, right? It sounds like sort of a like an 80s kind of William S. Burroughs-esque kind of uh, spoken word piece. But I just made it up. What was it again? Ideas bursting forth from deep inside my head like plutonium baboons. That sounds good. I like that. But uh, yeah, plutonium baboons, what's up with that? Yeah, man. Or, or, or it could be like like later that sample like in the 90s on like an, an electronica track playing it over and over again it's like ideas bursting forth deep inside my head like plutonium baboons like who who was it who's that guy um cuz i was uh, there's a game i've been playing on and off, but I got back to it again. It's called um, something like Coin Pusher Casino or something. It's a really well done. Um, it's on the PC. It's on Steam, and it's uh, it's it's uh, sort of a, like those coin pusher games um, in the in the arcades. But uh, it's also sort of inspired by this uh, this YouTube channel. I don't know what the name of it is. Where this guy clearly he has a coin pusher machine. Which if you don't know what it is, it's like a Imagine a cabinet with a you know like a glass box, and inside there's these little shelves moving in and out, and it's populated with coins. And as you add more coins in, right, the idea is that the new coins will help to push the existing coins off the shelf and then push other things down. And this one has um, what am I trying to think? Of? Like it, 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 there's all these stacks of like poker chips and elaborate stacks of coins right that you can knock over that's very satisfying watching them fall over so really not something that exactly like what you'd see in an arcade coin pusher like at a Dave and Buster's what have you but something a little bit different and this guy his shtick is clearly it's just something he has in his house but he's pretending like he's in some sort of casino like betting millions of dollars on these things and it's kind of a good shtick I, I don't know the name of it though let me see if I can find the names of these things I don't know <laughs> Okay, well, the game is called Coin Pusher Casino, which, I mean, it, the name of it and the logo of it, it just makes it look like another one of these, you know, phone-type games with microtransactions because there's a ton of those coin pushers on phones, but this is very different. Uh, it's, it's really pretty brilliant. I really enjoy, I enjoy it. Um, but one of the songs on there... Oh, hold on. <coughs> Let me try to find the name of that YouTube channel where the guy does that stuff. Let me see if I can find that. Uh, let's see. Could this be it? Yeah. A and A and V coin pusher. A ampersand V coin pusher. I think this is the one. Yeah, this is... he. It, so I don't know who this guy is. It sounds like he's doing some sort of like a fake like southern accent. Like it, the whole thing seems really very, uh, very, very well thought out because he gets like huge amounts of views on these things. Walk out of here with a brand new world record win. My goodness, they got this thing loaded up fantastically well. Looks like a ginormous statue of gold back there on the purse. It's already about to crash down. Oh, yeah. 
18 hours ago. It already has 25,000 views. The guy's like, cops were called at the casino. High-risk coin pusher, $10 million buy-in. There's something about the coin pushers. It's just, you know, the physics of things sort of collapsing uh, that is, 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 is very primal to the human mind, you know. But anyway, apparently the guy that made this game... A different guy it was it was partially inspired by this YouTube channel and this this style of uh, coin pusher setup. Kitty. Anyway, so anyway, this game, uh, coin pusher casino. There's there's a soundtrack and one of them has quotes from this guy and I think it's that guy but I can't remember his name right now the guy that has all these uh, quotes about like uh, existence and Buddhism and everything what the heck was his name and people quote him a lot but I never really got into him I, what the hell was his name he, it, like the movie Her he was in uh, an AI version of him you know I, I know a lot of you are screaming the name Alan Rickman? No, no, that's the guy from Die Hard and uh, Tubular Bells 2. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfucker. Alan Rickman. It's something like Alan Rickman, but it's not Alan Rickman. Alan Richmond, maybe? No. Alvin something? No. You know, he talks kind of like this, and the, the universe is composed of series of minds, and each mind is interconnected with the other minds in the universe. And all things are... You know, who is that guy? Urgh! I know I could look it up. Alan Rickman. <laughs> no, it's not Alan Rickman. Damn it. And tubular bells. No. Alan Richmond. No! All right, I'm going to pause and look it up. This is driving me nuts here. Come on. Okay, I just found it. Alan Watts. Alan Watts. Okay. Alan Rickman. Alan Watts. Okay, hold on. Hold on. Let me look at this guy up here. I'll find a representative quote. Because it's weird. Because this guy seemed to sort of pop out in, in my own personal view, right, in, in terms of um, my experience. I never heard of the guy until at some point I, I started hearing about him from all these different directions. People quoting him, mentioning him. And uh, I don't know, I, 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 like what his, like what he was saying, never really resonated that much with me. He was born in 1915, died 1973 at age 58. Hmm. What do they say about this guy? An English writer, speaker, and self-styled philosophical entertainer, known for interpreting and popularizing Japanese, Chinese, and Indian traditions of Buddhist, Taoist, and Hindu philosophy for a Western audience. <laughs> okay. But I, I I may be misjudging it as something that sounds more uh, important than it actually is, but I may be I don't know. Is he a phony or is he is he like really groovy? Hold on, let me let me find a what's the top Alan Watts like video here on YouTube, let's see. Just flow. What? That sounds like a good one. Sort of like, Kitty, what are you doing over there? Uh, 
you know, like in the Helping Friendly book and in, in Fish's Game Henge Saga, the secret of the universe, the trick is to surrender to the flow. That's sort of the... Let's see what Alan Watts has to say here. Ooh, wow. An ad for the Arcade A2 belt, which I just I just bought one. I'll be I may actually be re reviewing it today. But I already bought it, so they don't need to send me the ad because I already bought the actual product. Zhuangzi says, "When your belt is comfortable." What? Wait a minute! Wait a minute! That's a bit of a that's a bit of a synchronicity. Even though I just got the new belt yesterday, I was meaning to talk about it. They put the belt ad on the video, and then he just talks about a belt. Wait a minute, there may be something to this. Synchronistically, man. What is he saying? What? When your shoes are comfortable, it is as if you weren't wearing it. Oh, they're saying, like, if the belt is comfortable, you don't feel like you have the belt on. Okay, I got it. All right, let's see. Let's see what he's, let's see what he's saying here. Is this profound? Let's see. The more you are aware of these things, the less properly they are made. All right, I can, that kind of makes sense, I guess. They fit. But we raise an objection to this. If I don't know I'm there, I seem to be missing everything. We want to know that we know. If we're happy and we don't know we're happy, we might just as well not be happy. I, I, I need it. I need this guy's annoying me. I don't know what it is. This guy annoys me. But anyway, they were playing clips of him in the music on, I believe it was him. They were playing clips of music in him on the Coin Pusher Casino, which I thought was kind of interesting. <coughs> and of course, you know William S. Burroughs is another one that they play the clips from. But also, what's the, what's the main guy they play the clips from? The other guy, who's I, I like a lot more, the guy, um, the other guy. <laughs> what can't I remember anything today? The, the other guy. You should see the other guy. Wait a minute. Pause. Terence McKenna. There you go. Another guy. I like him more because the things he talks about it seems to be a little more, a little more interesting. He talks a lot about drugs and reality and the I Ching, and it's a little more in my wavelength. Let me see if we can find it with Terence McKenna because. Uh, oh, I just found something with him. What, what, what did I just find with him that he was talking about something? Yeah, I, I think I I saved a link to it. What what was it though? It was about some phenomenon or some person or something. Ah, oh, let's see if I can find it. <laughs> but there's that, like, there's those songs by. Uh, well, there's one album called Spangle. Uh, the group is called Spangle. S S P H O N G L E. Spangle. S S P H P O N G L E. S P H Spangle. No, S-H-P-O-N-G-L-E. <laughs> Why am I making things so difficult for myself today? Spangle, yes. It's a great uh, electronic band. And uh, they have one album that I think stands above all the rest, which is Tales of the Unexpressible. And they do a lot of Terrence McKenna quotes. And let me find the one that... And then, and then I'll try to find the other thing. He's a time wave zero guy. I talk about that a lot too, as a, as a concept. Uh, let's see if I can find this here. He's talking about this drug D DMT, where you 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 smoke this drug and then you go into a room with these weird little elves. Like everyone that takes this drug sees goes has the same kind of experience. 
to the point that they're trying to figure out a, uh, um, a new method of delivering the drug to someone so they can stay in the room and talk to the elves more. You know? All right, let me find this. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, I found it. It's, uh, this album is from 2001, by the way. Tales of the Inexpressible by Spangle. And this song is A New Way to Say Hooray. Which is actually a, a quote, quoting uh, uh, Pink Floyd, you know. The Gnome, you know, that song by uh, Sid Barrett. Like to tell you a story about a little man, if I can. His name was Grimble Grumble. Hiding their wine. But then one day, hooray, another way for gnomes to say, hooray. Is that related? Is that the same thing? I don't know. I, I always remember when uh, the band Fuzzy Dauphner was in its early stages, you know, we were, my sister in law Carrie would go to the open mic at the Barnes & Noble in Clifton, New Jersey. And this one guy came and he played like such an incredible version of The Gnome by uh, Pink Floyd. Anyway. The gnomes have learned a new way to say hooray. This is Terrence McKenna talking about taking a talc of the DMT drug. I think he starts soon towards the beginning of the song. I feel like most people don't know Spangle. And I've listened to a bunch of their other stuff. You take, let us assume, a third toke. Yeah. Long and slow. You, you vaporize. And you take it in and in and in. And there is a sound uh, like the crumpling of a plastic bread wrapper or the crackling or the flame. And a tone. A tone. A this guy's more fun than the other guy. And there is this. And there is Yeah, yeah. So what was that other thing that I that I saved a link to? Where would I have saved the link? <laughs> I have several places I could save such links to. Let's see if I let me pause again. I I'm trying to find it because he was talking about. I may have already played it on the show. I'm trying to. It would have been before the trip. Um, Ah, uh, it was about something, a, about a guy that did something extraordinary or something. Ah, I'll find it. I'll find it. Oh, okay, I found it. Here it is. Okay, Terrence McKenna on Alchemist John D. The Language of Angels, Enochian, and UFOs. Weird tales. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I remember. I uh, came across this uh, post on one of these forums. 
about this alchemist who claimed to have these uh, endless conversations with these angels and transcribed them. So here is Terence McKenna talking about that. D is a very interesting character worth spending some time on because D is the last person to be able to unify into one worldview uh, science and mathematics and magic and astrology uh, all together. So he is the greatest magician of his age and the greatest scientist of his age. A very strange incident happened, which was uh, on a cold day in April at his house in Mortlake, which is on the outskirts of London. Now it's completely surrounded by modern London. He's working at his desk at his room in Mortlake, and he goes outside. He's, there's some disturbance in the garden, and he goes outside. And his story, and we have only his story, is that an angel descended in a ball of light and gave him an object which is uh, to this day on exhibit in the British Museum. Uh, if you ever have a chance, it's worth hunting it down. It's in the Renaissance Hall. And it's, uh, it's a piece of black polished obsidian uh, roughly about this big and about that thick and very highly polished. It, he called it the showstone, S-H-E-W. And it, what the deal was was you could look into the showstone if you had the right talent, and you, it was a magical theater. There were gods and demons and... Uh, female spirits and all kinds of things swirling around this thing. Well, for the next uh, many years, the showstone was the major guiding force on Dee's life. And a guy came to him named Edward Kelly. So this guy Kelly had an immense facility with this showstone. I mean, you could just sit down with it, and it is one of the most puzzling and undiscussed episodes in the evolution of Western thought. The straight people just say, whoa, this is a bunch of crap. However, it's, it, it, it's very puzzling, because if he, was, if he was a con artist, he must have been a con artist of immense uh, cleverness, because often the way the D-angels would work is they would deliver very, very long messages in Latin backwards. And Kelly, Kelly would just dictate this stuff at a very rapid speed, and Dee would write it down, and then they would put away the showstone, and then they would very laboriously rewrite this stuff from back to front. Well, what kind of a polymathic talent was Edward Kelly? that he could invert whole pages of Latin and reel it off and then have it be reconstructed and make sense. Also, there are, you see, this. we know about this because Dee kept a diary over the years that this was all going on. It's one of... Yeah, I think you can read a lot of these uh, these, fra these revelations that were he saw in that sh shoe stone, chev stone, whatever, 
that's what someone had posted. Some cryptic. It's all very cryptic, and they're trying to say, "See, that's uh, that means something's going to happen soon." Yada yada. But you know. Anyway, let's continue here. The most astonishing books in all of English literature, and until the last ten years, the 1658 edition was the only edition ever published. Yeah, there's a new edition out, I think, from 2014 or something that translates all the Latin and stuff. I don't know. I took a look at it, but whatever. Uh, it's called A True and Faithful Relation, or in full, <coughs> A True and Faithful Relation of what passed for many years between Dr. D and some spirits. It, they were angelic magicians is what they were and they were evoking <clears throat> and, and and this actually just just to bring up a point that i usually try to bring up in this case it could actually be completely true that the information was coming from an otherworldly source but that doesn't necessarily mean that the information has any value it could just be some bored uh interdimensional beings like spewing nonsense to these people it it doesn't mean the information is good it just means it came from another place the reason I bring this up is because people usually have this assumption that, oh my God, it act the, the it was actual angels or beings from another dimension dictating this stuff. That must mean the information is very valuable. I mean, you'd think why would they go through all the trouble if it wasn't valuable? But maybe it's not. I just want to add that there. These things through the use of sigils, which are magical symbols, and then there became stress on magical alphabets, Enochian is one of these magical alphabets or languages rather john d remember i mentioned the whole 10-year episode with the showstone well one of the subjects which these entities that d and kelly were dealing with returned to again and again and again were the the uh Inachian. This language, which they said was the true language that Abraham used to communicate with the angels, and it has a special alphabet, uh, an alien alphabet, and there has even been published an Enochian dictionary of some four or five thousand words. there was a very bizarre, this is just a footnote, but a very bizarre episode in the mid-1950s. There was a, a woman who was a kind of clairvoyant, and uh, clairvoyant. she was in contact like with that. flying saucers. I mean, now... It, clairvoyant or clairvoyant? I like that. I'd never heard that of clairvoyant. I was hearing, hell, she's, cla- she's clairvoyant. Everybody and their dog is in contact with flying saucers, but at that time it was fairly rare, rare enough that she became uh, she became an object of interest to the CIA, and at one point Kitty. she was in the CIA building in Langley, Virginia, and they were interviewing her, and uh, and uh, she said, "Well, there's a there's a flying saucer right." outside the window and, and these guys rushed to the window and looked and there was some kind of thing in the sky and she said it's it's giving me a message for you for this colonel <laughs> and, and, and the message was Afa 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 A-F-F-A so he wrote this down well then I I, I don't I didn't read this. I looked it up. I had a hunch 
Atha is the Anakian word for nothingness. Wow. I like that audio. It's good stuff. Atha. Nothingness. So they were trying to tell the military guy that, like, nothing, nothingness, man. We're all just like dust in the wind, all right? And he, uh, I found one version of the book. This is a book from the 1600s. But I want to find some of the quotes in there from, like, what were these? Oh, I can't find a good copy of this. Anyway. Let me see, let me see if I can find anything. All right, here is <clears throat> the, the newer edition. Dr. John D.'s Spiritual Diary, 1583 to 1608, a completely new and reset edition of True and Faithful Relation, dot, 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 with a complete translation of all Latin passages. <coughs> but it's $70? <coughs> I guess it's out of print. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Dr. John D.'s Spiritual Diary, let's see. You see what I'm saying? Terrence McKenna is much more interesting than that other guy. Uh, let's see. Ow, kitty. Anything? Anything? No? No. Fake websites? Yes. Fake websites. Ah, oh, jeez. Anyway. Let me fire up this game and see if we can get, like, find find that music and see if it is that guy, Helen Watts. I have to turn the fan up because the game uses a lot of uh, 3D processing power. Go. Is it launching? I don't know if it's launching. Oh, it's launching. Okay. I love Coin Pusher Casino. It's still in, uh, you know, still in beta, you know, in uh, early access or what have you. What the hell's all that stuff flying around out there? There's like these weird little things flying around outside, like those little seed, seed pod or whatever things, you know what I'm talking about? They're all like floating around in the air out there. It's pretty wild. What's going on today? It's a very strange day so far. Here we go. Maybe I can play the music without starting a game. Let's see. Okay. This fan is such an annoying sound. All right, let's see. Mm. Okay, let's try this. <clears throat> there was one I, I made a ton of money on recently. It was, I think it was this one, uh, Zen 24. Let's see. Yeah, 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 this one. Let me just do the auto drop kind of deal here. Ooh, six coins now, nice. So let's put on the music. What song? I don't know how many songs are in here.
kitty. Mr. Vegas is here, the kitty. This almost sounds like the song that would have those quotes in it. No. Kitty, stop! He's attacking my recorder. are falling. Where is it? Kitty, stop. How many songs are in here? Oh wait, could this be it? Put it together. Yes, yes. Is this is this Alan Watts? planet concept. Are we in prison right now? But when I had that lucid dream, <clears throat> I was told that dreams are an entertainment system for the prisoners. I don't know if this is the one I was thinking of. There, there was one where he's talking a lot more. These coins are falling. I still need to make $40,000, though. See, you want to knock over those left and right ones so they'll knock over those other stacks. Let me try to do this here. Right, you want to try to get a, like a certain angle. No, I don't think this is the song. There's got to be another one. It's like one of those little like handheld Tetris games that you can get as a prize. It doesn't really work though, it's just a graphic. Come on, it has to knock over at a certain angle. Kitty, you're watching the game? Air castles. This is song. Like Spanish castles in space, perhaps. The song that was left off of the uh, the Orbs Adventures Beyond the Ultra World, the U.S. edition. It was the wrong angle. Oh, here we go! Here we go! I think this this is Alan Watts. I think. Let's see if it, it just fits like profound material. This has got to be the one.
I believe that if we are honest with ourselves, yeah, yeah, right. That the most fascinating problem in the world is who am I? See the things this guy say, he sounds it. It's he makes it sound important, but it's kind of like, like no shit, Sherlock. That, that's the main question. Who am I? Sorry, I'm being so negative. I know a lot of you are probably big fans of this guy and whatever. I, I don't know. Sounds like a phony to me a little bit, but. What do you mean? What do you feel when you say the word I? I myself. All right, hold on. Let me, let, let me see if we can find this actual quote. Alan Watts. Who am I? Who am I? Am I the mind? Am I the body that contains the mind? Am I this writer and speak his long career as an interpreter? Uh, it's, it's not the quote. It's someone talking about the quote. Urgh! No, I'm about done with this. Oh, here we go. Here we go. This might be it. I want the quote, not a not someone talking about the quote. Even though I'm talking about the quote right now, but it's different. Isn't it different? Is it different? Oh, come on. This computer is having trouble here because of this game. All right, let's just... I guess I had to turn the fan back on because this game is consuming too much three-dimensional energy. I still need to make $30,000, though. In the game. I believe that if we are honest with ourselves... Here it is, yes. ...that the most fascinating problem in the world is who am I? What do you mean? What do you feel when you say the word I? I myself. Excuse me. Where's the game? I don't think there can be any more fascinating preoccupation than that. Because it's so mysterious. Well, pinball, I mean. It's so no. elusive. Because what you are in your inmost being escapes your examination in rather the same way that you can't look directly into your own eyes without using... Oh, it crashed? Mouth. You can't bite your own teeth. You can't taste your own tongue. I, I, I don't know what it is about this guy. He annoys the hell out of me. I'm sorry. I cannot stand this guy. I, I know he's a very. A lot of people consider him very important. It just annoys. Me. I like Terrence McKenna. I can listen to that guy talk all day about machine elves and and DMT. Let, let me see if we find just just to cleanse the palate of that Alan Watts guy. Both these guys have are dead a long time, unfortunately. Videos, videos. Terrence McKenna DMT. Terrence McKenna DMT. <clears throat> Terrence McKenna on DMT elves. And I had a phase in my life where I used to smuggle hashish out of India. And I used to go to the Crawford Market in Bombay with kilos of gold strapped on my body. And the Crawford Market 
is just a, a labyrinth of millions of teams. Anyway, you get the idea. Oh, here, someone says, this will give you goosebumps. Alan Watts on existence. What do you think of existence? It lives. The reason why certain people turn to philosophy, why I became a philosopher, was that since I was a little boy, I always felt that existence as such was weird. Yes, I agree. See, finally, yeah, we're in agreement at some point. I mean... Here we are. Oh, I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't take this. What? No! In 86, I remember uh, 1986 <coughs> in Bel Air Mall. Listening to Overnight Scape Central. This was really wealthy. The latest episode here. Uh, is the Central outmoded? This is uh, from uh, released yesterday, September 18th, 2023. Listening to Chad's uh, section there. Um, yeah, this is... Uh, it's a very, uh, I mean, it's it's a very different kind of topic, but PQ basically asked the question, what is up with the central? Is it is it outmoded? Is it outdated? Should, he, should we keep doing it? This is Overnight Scape Central I'm talking about. And um, so, yeah, I think it was, was it the other day I recorded my segment on there. You can hear that. I do not think it's outmoded, but I did talk about how uh, his his thoughts on that kind of coincided with my thoughts on perhaps new directions for the channel here, <coughs> which, uh, as I said, is 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 not ready for prime time, but I describe the ideas anyway. Um, I'm still working on it uh, quite a bit, um, but I do hope the central continues on. And if you're in, if you could, uh, you know, if you're someone that used to be on the Central or you think about doing uh, Central submissions, what the Central is basically, if you don't know, it's a show. There's a new topic each week, and you can uh, record and send the e- send the audio to PQ. And uh, ideally, the show will have a bunch of people talking about a particular topic in different and interesting ways, and that's how it has been working. But the you know the um, participation level has gone a bit down a bit in the past few months, and I think that's part of what's prompting this whole discussion. So if you could participate more, though I know it's not easy, as Doc Slees said, you know, his drop-off in participation had to do with a lifestyle change um, where we, we have these sort of um, routines that we're in, and if if that gets changed, it can really break that routine and it can <coughs> um, make it hard to do extra things, such as Overnight Escape Central submissions. The overall idea I was talking about, because there's a couple different ideas, but basically that uh, Onsug Radio more like a um, like a radio broadcast, and releasing uh, recordings as uh, segments of that broadcast as opposed to individual shows. It's an idea that I've been thinking about for almost perhaps decades now. <laughs> it's been a long time. I've never been able to figure out a way to make it work. And I'm revisiting the idea now. And it could, uh, you know, be a new way of doing things that could um, possibly uh, present central content in a new way. But I, uh, I'm i not sure yet. Anyway, so check it out. This is a very interesting uh, episode. Um, definitely check out Is the Central Outnoted? But Chad did actually uh, touch on the subject of Russell... Brand, 
which I've been kind of debating whether or not I want to talk about this, but um, Russell Brand is a British comedian who was uh, like a big, he did comedy specials and was in movies, I don't know, in the 2010s or something. And uh, he was dating or was married to Katy Perry or something. And Anyway, he was just one of these sort of people you'd hear about occasionally. And now, uh, for a number of years now, he's, I don't know how long he's been doing it, but he has like a YouTube channel where he uh, he's purporting to be kind of like a, he's like, hello, all you awakening wonders. He, he's trying to present himself as sort of a, a an alternative to the two-party system and trying to um, reveal the truth of what's going on out there. And, um, you know, I think I, it was probably in the past couple of months I did mention that I have a real hard time taking this guy seriously considering where he's coming from and all of his connections to the rich and powerful and um, and how he's just sort of purporting to be the alternative and say these things that no one else is saying. And I'd like to think that there could be some truth to it. And he's kind of an interesting guy. It's, it's a little bit annoying to watch. Let me see if I can get... I don't know what... I think he uh, kind of shut down his channel now that... Anyway, so he's... Let me just continue with this. He's been now uh, um, accused of all this uh, sexual misconduct and sexual assaults and now he says, and uh, people are saying, oh, it's because he was trying to tell the truth. He was trying to, to 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 reveal the real information that now they're going after him, you know. Hold on, let me see this. <coughs> but <coughs> there's definitely uh, several things going on here. The reason we're so excited today is because we are being joined. No, I know. I'm just trying to find. Here's before. After consoling Hawaiians with his liar, liar, house on fire, lie, has now tried to claim that on September the 12th he was at Ground Zero, sticking up for those brave Americans that suffered those assaults and that onslaught. But in fact, what he was doing on September the 12th was. But I want to hear him say, "Hello, you 12 million million awakening wonders." Fiasco, lie, liar, liar, house on fire. Not just the house, maybe the whole world. Hello there, you 6.5 million awakening wonders. Thanks for joining us on our voyage to truth and freedom. Together, do subscribe to our channel and turn on the notification bell because it helps us stay connected. And by God, we need connection. We talked, didn't we, about Joe Biden going off? I don't know why his logo is a farting crow. It's kind of annoying. But anyway, you kind of get the idea of what's going on with him here. And a lot of people call him, it's an annoying term, controlled opposition, right? So... Um, him and Alex Jones and the, the people you always hear about, you know, just imagine that there really is this free and open exchange of ideas, as Bob Grant used to say on the radio. And uh, <coughs> these uh, individuals really are independent voices that are running counter to those in control. Uh, you think that might present some sort of a danger to those in control, that if enough people hear the, the Alex Jones and uh, Russell Brand, then their eyes, they'll be red-pilled, their eyes will be opened, and they'll be, uh, they won't believe the official word on things anymore, right? And so, of course, there'd be a reason 
to try and take these people out by uh, concocting various uh, scandals to destroy these people. Well, that seems to be the narrative. But, and again, I don't know. I mean, I've watched a few of his videos here and there. Um, <coughs> and again, this was months ago. I got kind of a phony vibe from him. Not that some of the stuff he's saying is not necessarily bad. It's just if we consider that if there is some sort of urge to control, which this uh, this topic definitely – my big question about it is you're part of a group that's trying to control the world and control things and like why? Just – let the chips fall where they may. I mean, what would happen if you just stopped controlling everything? <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I think the answer to that is as long as the individuals that are in these groups that are purport- that are attempting to control things at a high level, if they believe they're the good guys and that they're doing it for the be- everyone's benefit, which I'm sure they, d- they probably do, right? I mean, uh, you could say that the level of control we see in the world, top-down control, has enabled um, technologies and infrastructures to exist that perhaps couldn't exist if everyone was just sort of disorganized and just living their own life and there was no larger organizational stuff. I know I'm getting awfully vague here, but... um, (coughs) And again, I don't know... I, I would need to know the full story to sort of cast judgment on those in control, because there definitely are, right, people and organizations that exert outsized control over things, right? Whether or not they're colluding and there's a conspiracy involved, we don't know. But there are people that are uh, exerting a great deal of control. So the issue that comes up is, there's always going to be another point of view. And if what you're doing seems to be against the better interests of the people, the people, then naturally opposition will rise to what you're doing. <clears throat> so the idea is that instead of allowing that opposition to develop naturally, you actually create the opposition yourself. This organ- these organizations will actually create the opposition and shape its message to the point that it seems that it's opposing but in reality, it's it's just simply um, engaging and expending the energy of those that would normally be against the thing, uh, rendering them, uh, neutralizing them. Right. That that is, if I kind of relate it to uh, you know the whole flat Earth thing versus the round Earth thing. I think that um, this may not be the best example, but I've talked about this a lot in recent times. That you know the shape of the earth, the actual nature of the world we're living on. (coughs) Um, So let's say the goal is to hide the true nature of the world we're living on, which I would, my working theory is it's, you know, sort of a multidimensional constructed world, whatever. So the the surface story, oh, we're living on this ball floating through space. And most, most people accept that, right? But there's people that look at that and there's lots and lots and lots of things about that idea that raise questions. And so people start to question, are we really living on a ball floating through this huge void of space? 
And so there is this philosophy that you will inevitably encounter if you ask those questions of flat earth, which is um, another idea that in this in the case of this thought experiment is also completely inaccurate, but presents itself as a uh, as a counter philosophy to the round earth, the spherical earth, right? The ball earth. There's this other completely wrong and completely ultimately kind of pointless theory that uh, if anyone questions what we're telling them that we're living on this ball, they're going to run into this other group of people saying, no, it's it's a flat. (laughs) Both of which are completely wrong, again, in the context of this um, thought experiment, but it will neutralize like maybe 95% of those questioning the ball earth will just uh, stop at the flat earth thing, even though that's also wrong. And they'll they'll just ruminate on that. And they'll think they're all cool because they know the truth and everyone else, they they, they call them globe tards or whatever. These these globe tards believe the earth is round. It's obviously flat. But meanwhile, all those people have all been duped, right? That's the idea. And neutralized. And again, Maybe there is some higher purpose behind all these deceptions that the ends justify the means. I I, I, I don't know. I, at this point, I don't know. I could possibly imagine some scenarios, but it, it kind of seems that why not just tell everyone the truth? But maybe it's not a good idea. Anyway, so similar to like the, you know, so round earth versus flat earth, what I'm saying is in that thought experiment, the actual true shape of the earth is something, a third thing completely different, right, than those two theories. So in terms of um, the current world where it seems that there's a lot of people in control that are pushing um, endless warfare and pushing... uh, economic disparity and banking systems and what have you, people are going to feel like, what the hell? Our leaders are screwing us over. And so they're going to form an, an opposing philosophy, right? And we in, in the U.S., at least, we have this left-right, Democrat-Republican kind of system set up where the two sides seem to be at odds, but they're, they agree on much more than they don't agree on. And that engages or neutralizes most of the population in terms of they'll gravitate towards one or the other and be very interested and engaged and talk about the topics of the day presented on the news for their preferred political alliance, whatever you want to say. And again, I think it's it promotes uh, socializing and you know you can be part of a group and talk about this stuff. It gives you something to talk about. <coughs> but I think that there are those in the minority that look at those two parties like I have been for many years now, and I don't have any allegiance to either party as I think they're both full of crap, so I've been more of an independent. And there's a lot of people that are going in that way, so if you go in that way, you'll now run into Russell Brand. He, 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 he's, he's, uh, he, he presents uh, an answer. Hello, you 6.5 million awakening wonders. I'll search for truth, right? So if you can get someone like that, again, whatever he's formulating, his philosophies, um, it's very similar to the flat earth thing. It's basically would be like, it doesn't really matter what he's saying. It's just a bunch of stuff that's harmless 
and will engage and interest people and keep them away from the actual true philosophy, the, the true information that might actually be dangerous to those in control. That's what I think. And I think someone like Russell Brand may or may not even be aware that he's being used in this way, right? But the fact that he's being kind of promoted and somehow he still has a YouTube channel where people saying similar things have been like shut down a million times over. Anyway, so uh, I, d- I don't know that whatever he was talking about was particularly useful. Again, that the whole point of it is it's to sort of neutralize those that are asking questions by giving them essentially bad answers. So now the the story broke that uh, Russell Brand is being accused of uh, sexual misconduct. And um, so now the philosophy, now what's happening, and the reason I find this interesting is that now people are saying, see, this only verifies that what he was saying was true because those in control felt it was so dangerous that they now they have to take him down with these stories you know and not to say he even admitted that he was uh, very promiscuous and engaged in a lot of uh, sex acts with with women and um you know but he said he, it was always consensual this and that so he kind of left himself open for that kind of stuff cuz he was kind of out of control at one point and who knows if he was doing stuff that was wrong he uh, anyway but it is now I think this is where it gets a little toxic is that it, people now will now reaffirm the positions that he's taking as being more legitimate because he's now being attacked by the, those in control, right? And that, I think, is part of perhaps the reason that they're doing this, first of all, to kind of reinforce that someone like Russell Brand does represent the absolute uh, counter-philosophy, to the two-party system, whereas the truth of the matter is way different uh, theoretically, right? And it also tells everyone if you uh, challenge the, uh, you know, the, the the current system, you will be destroyed, you know? So it seems like someone like him who – doesn't he have like a 33 tattoo and does those Masonic hand signs at every five seconds, and God only knows. I mean, he seemed like he was sort of in on the whole. Again, this is all speculation, but it seemed like he was part of that kind of stuff, which is, you know, just the theory that people that are rich and powerful or belong to secret societies where they sort of uh, get their marching orders. But who knows? Anyway, um, so it's just sort of this whole case, and it's uh, maybe they feel like his his stint as this sort of counter person, counter philosophy person has kind of run its course. Now they're going to use him as a, you know like for the headlines for the next uh, week, and again, it serves the purpose of, as I said, making his philosophy seem more legitimate. And also warning people not to, uh, you know, upset the apple cart, so to speak. Um, anyway, <coughs> that's my two cents on the Russell Brand thing. I didn't, I, I, I kind of didn't even want to talk about it, but <coughs> I guess I just did. And I, I'm not saying that there's. I just paused for a second, but I realized I'm not saying there's anything wrong with engaging with, you know, watching Russell Brand's YouTube channel or whatever. He's on Rumble too. The hell is Rumble? 
I haven't been on Rumble, I don't think. That's like sort of a YouTube, but they don't censor you as much. Censor you as much. So if I'm, it said, again, it just sort of sounds like I'm saying, don't take anyone seriously. So what, sit and stare into space with no answers? That's kind of what I'm kind of saying. I mean, there kind of are no answers. It's kind of engaging and interesting to someone to give you an answer, even if it's a bullshit answer, you know? In as much as it's fun and satisfying and social, whatever, to be into these things, I think that's what a lot of people get out of it. I mean, ultimately, I don't know. I don't have any answers, but I don't accept any of these things. So, yeah, I'm just sitting and staring off into space and kind of like, or I guess you could just say I'm the ultimate contrarian. I don't accept anything. Is that my modus operandi? Just reject everything? No, I'm trying to figure it all out. What the hell's going on in this world? Anyway, back to the plutonium baboons concept. From the beginning of the episode. Um, early this morning, I uh, felt like I needed to create some show art because I didn't have any show art for today's episode of the Overnightscape. So I went on to the uh, Internet Archives magazine rack uh, contribution index, which is all the newly updated stuff. I was looking for stuff that was public domain. And I figured, eh, maybe I'll just look for stuff from 1923 because I know it goes up to 26 or 27 now for public domain, but like 100 years ago. And the site was all screwed up. Nothing was working. Somehow I, I searched for 1923 stuff, <coughs> and I got this mag, uh, just a magazine called The Little Delineator from 1923. And I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I think there was a magazine called The Delineator and it looks like this may be an insert or some sort of adjunct content for children, right? So I saw this image, and it's basically an image. Uh, it says, funny animals bursting out of the New Year calendar. So I guess it was uh, January 1st, uh, 1923. And uh, so, yeah, it's a calendar page, January 1st, and all these animals. And it looks like it was. it's signed by Robert... A. Grief or something? Robert Agrifio? I can't read that. Um, but it is in the public domain as it is from 1923. So yeah, it's this uh, as if these animals, funny animals, though they're kind of realistic. They're not like cartoon character animals. Uh, bursting through the calendar. There's a dog, an elephant, a p- polar bear maybe? A monkey riding a giraffe, a big lion with a mane, a, a, a hare or a rabbit, and at the bottom a little mouse, and then a, a parrot. So I thought that's a really cool image, even though you can see it's kind of mis- it was printed misaligned, like the blue is misaligned a little bit. But I thought it looked really cool, so I uh, started working on it this morning in Photoshop, masking it out. I didn't I didn't want to contain the uh, the calendar thing, so I just gave it like a black background. The mask is not perfect, but it's good enough for for the purpose and uh so yeah i i like the way it looks and i decided to um you know then i said what 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 is the title going to be so i was looking at my title file and um i had this plutonium baboons because what happened is i was playing this game called the marvel snap and one of my opponents was named plutonium sphinx and i thought that was a really cool name 
And I'm like, that's cool, you know, using plutonium and then something else. So I had tried a few variations, and then uh, plutonium baboons was just kind of uh, sounded good. I think at one point I was going to make it into like a, a fake mezcal, plutonium baboon mezcal, you know, something like that. But um, somehow plutonium baboons just sort of represented this, these these various animals, none of whom are baboons actually, but uh, it just seemed to fit. So I put that together. And, uh, and then I thought about how it represents these new ideas that are popping out, like whatever I said in the beginning of the show, I don't remember, you know. Ideas in my head bursting forth like plutonium baboons. I really like that phrase. So <coughs> that came afterwards, that idea. The idea that there are like ideas bursting out. And yeah, because there are these new ideas bursting out, uh, you know, about the new structure of the channel here and stuff. Uh, that was a bit of a stretch, but no, it's true. It, 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 it just was an interesting uh, image. So that's the story behind the plutonium baboons concept bursting from my head. Yeah, it's a bit later on now, and uh, I was uh, doing work, and I heard something slam down. I thought maybe like a branch fell or something. I, let me walk around the house here and see what, what may have fallen. I, I'm assuming it's outside and not inside, but something fell, something big. It's like, boom! Let me see... As I looked out the window, I didn't see anything. It has been windy and rainy. It could be a piece of wood or something. I don't see anything out here. Could it have been inside? Something fell, like, upstairs? Yeah, I was expecting to see, like, a branch or something over here, but I'm not seeing anything. It was... Yeah, it couldn't have been that far out. Okay. Hmm. What could it have been? Something fell. Something big fell. Hmm. It could be in the basement. It could be upstairs. What the hell could it be? Anyway, let's uh, investigate here. Ooh, here's a package. What could it be? An Amazon. No, I'll investigate the package later. I have to figure out what fell. Nothing in here. Let's go look downstairs. Hmm, nothing here. Where could it have been? It had to be something substantial. Look in here. Anything? No, 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 no. All right. Well, unless it was something really big that was further away, but it sounded nearby. All right. Let's see. Upstairs. Something fell. Anything, anything here? No. I'm looking for something big that is on the ground that wasn't on the ground before. 
now. Hmm. Nothing in here. What the hell was it? Maybe it was like something. I know we have like audio illusions in this neighborhood because the way the sound bounces around. Maybe it was something like across the street or something. I don't know. I'm not seeing anything. Oh, it should be on the. Uh, it should be on the uh, the recording from the doorbell camera, right? Yeah, let me see if I can grab that. So it would have been about five minutes ago. This was the direction, though, I was, like, looking. What the hell? Oh, these are, like, feathers that are falling down? There's a bunch of feathers on stuck on the window here. <sighs> yeah, there's nothing here. Kitty. So, yeah, let me check the doorbell video and see if I can hear... What may have been going on? Solve this mystery, perhaps. All right, I reviewed the uh, the uh, audio, and uh, <clears throat> yeah, there was nothing conclusive. There was a few sounds, but maybe a truck driving by. What are we hearing here? What's going on? Why does this sound weird? Something. Something's off with the audio, maybe. Hello, hello. What's going on here? Yeah, I don't know what it could have been. Alright, there's something wrong with the audio here. Let me testing, testing. I don't know what the heck's wrong. It just sounds test, test. Weird. What is going on? Yeah, it just sounds a little strange. Microphones or something? I don't know. Anyway, let's not worry about that. I don't know what's going on. All right. Anyway. I know you can't hear it, but I'm hearing something weird. I think it sounds better now, actually. I think that sound may have been from across the street, but I, it sounded like it was in my kitchen because of echo, echo stuff. Anyway, I'm going to give you a brief Flea Devil Solitaire update. Um... As you, this is my solitaire game I've been working on for 16 years now. I'm pretty much the only person in the world playing it right now, but um, I had a lot. I thought I had finished the game last fall, 2022, but over the course of the last month or two, I've had a flurry of activity and new rules, and the game I think has improved drastically. Um, I last time I talked about it. Um, I actually printed the rules up actually on onsug.com on the blog. And uh, I have made a f just one or two changes since then, um, clarifying that the parking lot that goes to the bottom, nothing can go past that from the market. Right? That's the delineation point between the market and the easy go. And the idea that uh, parking lots do block flea hops, which is the big one. And other than that, 
And then, of course, the uh, the hangout rule that if you get a hangout in the initial um, shuffle, right? So there's a few things that happen before you can start playing the game. You shuffle the cards. You look at you look at the market, which is all the face up cards. First, you have to choose one of the two parking lots to put at the bottom. Then, with the remaining parking lot, if if there's two cards of the same rank, like two fours or two aces on either side of that parking lot, then you can remove those two plus the other two of the same card for free. So you get to haul four uh, cards for free. That remains. It's just that after that, and then you start the game, that hangout move now costs three dollars and those are really the only changes and wow i really do feel that this has really um made the game so much deeper and so much better and it's just surprising to me that uh after so much time that i keep improving this game at some point i know i need to make a series of uh, videos to present this it really because exactly what i said to you is in the latest edition of the book, PDF, that I put out over the weekend, exactly fully the rules as they currently stand. But this is not an easy game to learn, I don't think, just from reading the rules. And I think it's gotten a bit more complicated, actually, with these new rules. But I love it, and I believe in it. And um, I do feel like these updates I give on the show here are really a record of the development of this game that's been going on for 16 years now, which is mind-boggling. But I do want to... uh, I do feel I'm close to the final version. I'm glad I didn't just stop with Last Fall because this... uh, The the addition of the parking lots makes the game so much better. Really. I mean, the parking lots... And it also, interestingly, you know, when you buy a deck of cards these days, you will usually get... 56 cards. You'll get the 52 regular cards, two jokers, and then two junk cards because of how it's printed. And the two junk cards are the parking lot. So anyway, just wanted to give you that a brief update. Now also, I, I, as I mentioned, I got my new arcade belt. Uh, this is... I'm always on the lookout for new belts. My b- belts uh, annoy me. They're, they're a necessary evil in a way, like, because... Every time you have a belt, it slowly, like, degenerates. Like, I've been using slide belts for years now and because uh, they're vegan. I would, you know, I, I, when I buy something new like a belt, I'm going to buy, I'm not going to buy a leather belt. If I have an old leather belt, I'll use it, but I, I'm not going to buy a new one. The slide belt is made of a kind of vinyl. It's pretty heavy and has a big, heavy metal buckle. But other than that, it kind of is okay, except it, it, it breaks it breaks down. The belt itself breaks down, and then the buckle itself will snap apart after about a year of use, and it's kind of annoying. So I saw this arcade belt. Sometimes I do searches for uh, vegan belts. And uh, I got it. And this is a very different idea. It's a stretchy material, and it has a plastic buckle. This is like the buckle version 2, the new buckle. And uh, let's see what it says on the back here. There's a, a, it came in this cardboard thing. Custom fit with micro adjustable buckle with up to 50 inches in length. So I got the, that's the thing. Like this was sort of my waist size is sort of on the edge between two different sizes. So I got the larger one. Made with reprieve recycled webbing. Performance stretch, freedom of motion to move with your body, providing secure hold that eliminates pinching. 
Durable buckle, high-density molded plastic built to withstand extreme pressure in all conditions. Micro-adjustable fit. Custom-designed buckle delivers a personalized fit specific to how you move. So, anyway, I've been wearing this the past day or so, and it's a very different kind of belt. I mean, the, it looks kind it doesn't really, it looks kind of weird and cheap, but it is a lot lighter, and uh, let me actually just take it off and take a look at it here. Um, so it's, the belt itself is of a, it feels like a kind of a durable, stretchy material. Looks almost like something that's knitted or something, but it's not. It's like a good material. And then at the end is one half of the uh, plastic buckle, which seems pretty sturdy. And then we have uh, we have the arcade logo on there. The other half. So this apparently is the new buckle design. I have never experienced the old buckle design. And I found that it is kind of difficult to get that sweet spot of... Um, Whereas it's not too tight, but also not too loose. So I've been trying to deal with that. But I think I got it at a pretty good place. So you got to string it through. I don't, I, I don't see this as a necessarily a replacement for a regular belt, like a slide belt. But this is good as sort of a backup belt or something that's more casual or more comfortable. And they, I, I got the basic black, but they come in uh, all sorts of wild uh, colors and patterns and stuff. Arcade, and they're fairly inexpensive, as I recall. I think this one was like thirty-five, which these days when you buy stuff, it, that seems cheap, but it's not really that cheap. All right, so let's see. So I strung it all together, and now I'm going to latch it. And yeah, I think I got it to a pretty good spot. I mean, it feels like it could be a little tiny bit tighter. But it's all right for the moment. Arcade belts. Uh, let me see what their latest patterns are. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I have kind of mixed feelings about this arcade belt. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't regret purchasing it because I, a lot of times my belt will break and then I don't have a belt. So this is a good backup belt. Arcadebelts.com. <coughs> Tough doesn't have to mean uncomfortable. The best just got better. Oh, A2. That's that's the nature of this one. It's the A2 belt. So what, the old one sucked? What was wrong with the old one? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Some new arrivals. Oh, they also have suspenders. I don't, I don't think I'm quite old enough to have need suspenders just yet. Does anyone need suspenders like a thing? I mean, what's like... Will I ever get to the point that I need suspenders? I hope not. Uh, lifestyle... I thought they had all these cool patterns. Where the hell are the patterns? Uh, oh, so they, they licensed Smokey the Bear. You can get a Smokey the Bear belt. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, is Smokey the Bear really like a beloved pop culture character? I don't know. Only you can prevent forest fires. Listen, if they had Woodsy Owl, I'd be, I'd be on that. I would buy like 10 of them. Okay? Get Woodsy Owl, not Smokey the Bear. Woodsy Owl is the best. Give a hoot. Don't pollute. Never be a dirty bird in the city and in the woods let's keep america looking good oh they have grateful dead nice i saw these uh I, of course i love the grateful dead but these designs are not 
uh, particularly to my taste, to, to be quite honest. I, I, maybe some people will get something out of these designs. As much as I love the Grateful Dead, those are not going to work for me. The artist series. Different artists with different patterns. I don't know. It's a lot of the designs just don't really... Or not to my taste. I'm sure other people like them, but... That's why I got the basic black, because, you know... yeah, I don't really like the designs they have on arcade. It's just a different design sensibility, as they say, you know. Arcade times... X Jimmy Chin. No one knows how to pronounce that when they have a collaboration taking action on climate change. We created these belts to be adaptable in any environment. Okay. We're trying to sort of connect the belt with the environment. Whatever. Okay. Good. Listen, they're good. What do you want? It's a stretchy belt with a plastic buckle, and it, it's okay. It's okay. I, I wish. Woodsy Owl. That's my suggestion. Wood, Woodsy Owl. Please, listen. Now we need to hear Woodsy Owl stuff because I, I don't know. Smokey the Bear just annoys me. I don't know why. And we need some older ones, not like like the even the ones in the '90s are not good. Here's 1977. That's a good year for Woodsy Owl. Always on the go, and arcade belts are made to move. Wow. Both the city and the mountains. They, they were reading my mind. More arcade belt ads. I already bought one. Damn it! You don't need to advertise to me. Adaptable in any environment. Okay, we already heard that that phrase. Good. Hi, I'm Woodsy Owl. Hi. In order to try and stop pollution, we need more help. So, help Woodsy spread the word. Come on, never be a dirty bird. No matter where you go. Oh, yes, this is what I needed. See, this is like, you know, you're like in 77, like, eating your breakfast cereal, watching cartoons in the morning, then this would come on and you're just sort of half dazed from all the sugar you've just eaten and just watching these, this weird guy, the guy some person in this owl costume. And this was what it was like to be a kid in the 70s. Yeah, bird. Bird. In the city or in the woods, help keep America looking good. Yes, give a hoot, don't pollute. Another one, is this a good one? Some people love to give a hood, don't pollute. Never be a dirty bird in the city or in the woods. Help keep America looking good. Do they still have like simple jingles like that anymore? I don't know. Just... I'm Woodsy Owl and I'm here to tell you about a dirty word, pollution. Help Woodsy spread I keep seeing this, like these are the ones I play on the other side. I want to find like a new one. 1986, yeah, no, that's that's a bit too far. How about 72? That could be a good one. He's a cartoon at this point. See, Smokey Bear has got a pal. This is like the the, the genesis of Woodsy Owl. Before it was a a weird mascot-like costume or Croft-like costume, it was a... (laughs) A cartoon. Name you know, he's the anti-pollution owl. The anti-pollution owl. See, but they're showing like graffiti. Is that pollution? I mean, it's like littering, graffiti. I don't. That's pollution. Is uh, I don't know. Is that really pollution? It's a kind of pollution, I suppose. <coughs> Broadly speaking. Green trail, that's not a 
What are these Holly Hobby wannabe characters in here now? Get out of here. Get out of here. It's a stray cat from the neighborhood. Hello. A gray cat. Yes, kitty. My indoor cats, they get very agitated when they see the outdoor cats. Kitty, you're safer being inside. Yeah. Yeah, so I listened to that whole central... Really, uh, very interesting episode, really good episode, um, talking about kind of where we've been, new directions and motivations and things like that. I did wind up talking about that idea, as I mentioned, that I normally would not have because it's just too half-baked, but I just wanted to be a little clearer about the idea. It's a, a tough idea to explain, but... On the one hand, I have developed a system where I have... Ooh, what the hell's going on with my arm? Oh, wow, my sunburn is peeling. Wow. Remember I got sunburned when I was in Italy? Yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> the idea that all of the archive, over 14,000 hours, just splitting it up into three-and-a-half-minute segments and then playing those at random with the purpose of kind of giving people an idea of what's in the archive and then an entry point to say here's this show this clip is from you can go find that show and listen to the whole episode now right so kind of like a way of sort of uh, digging into the archive right and I was also thinking of producing these segments where a host will play these clips and comment on them. And then this will make up kind of the top-level broadcast if you, as an introductory thing, if you encounter the Overnight Escape Underground or Onsug Radio, you will, you can start listening to this introductory broadcast, which will have uh, a, a friendly voice talking to you about and playing these clips and then talking about it, giving context, etc. But the idea that that structure, uh, so it essentially would be a series of audio files. Each of these files would be perhaps an hour long containing this uh, this particular uh, type of content, which is the r random clips from the archive and a host narrating or talking about it, right? Then the, each of these hour long segments could then be played kind of in any order to make up the broadcast. Right, the introductory broadcast. The I, the additional idea is that using this same uh, you know method, that uh, we could introduce other kinds of content in the same way, where it is like um, a virtual broadcast that is a uh, right made up of a number of segments that can be played in any order but which will always feel like it's part of the same uh, broadcast. That was kind of what I was going for. And so the idea is that on the one hand, we like this show is the Overnightscape. This is an individual separate show. The idea that uh, this same kind of content could be uh, presented in that other way, 
But as I admitted on The Central, this is a very half-baked idea that I've never really been able to bring through to completion. So just wanted to mention that. Yeah. Oh, the font I used on today's show art is called Arequipa. A-R-E-Q-U-I-P-A. Arequipa. And this font is sort of a uh, rebuild or, or reimagining of a font called Cortez. Whoa. What the hell is that? Oh, it's a helicopter. Okay. Jeez. Very loud helicopter. Jeez. Man. What is all these loud noises today? It's too loud for my ears. Cortez was a font uh, from the photo lettering era that I've always been quite fond of. And this is now kind of a rebuild or kind of, not a rebuild, but it's kind of a reimagining of Cortez. By, this is by Alan Meeks as opposed to Alan Rickman or Alan Watts. This is Alan Meeks. Watts, Meeks, similar structure to the last name. Let's see what they say here. <coughs> Arequipa is a Latin font with serifs. Da, 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 da. Hmm. <laughs> They're not really giving credit to Cortez. Hmm. I mean, it's totally based on Cortez. Did he maybe originally make more Cortez? I don't know. Arequipa, Cortez. Let's see if we can find a. <laughs> connection here or commentary. Fonts in use. Related typefaces. Cortez. Let's see. It was a letter set original? Hmm. <coughs> let's see. Anything else here? I mean, I really do like Arequipa, too. It's a really nice-looking font. No? No. I, I've Somewhere I found a reference to it, but I can't remember where it is now. Hmm. Anyway, that's the font I used, Arequipa. Yes. Yeah, so all these ideas... Some ideas... Anyway, all of these concepts, uh, broadcast concepts and things, this is all just very tentative. I'm probably not going to move ahead with any of them other than definitely trying to get the, uh, you know, the top level, the random show kind of thing going. Other than that, uh, yeah, I don't think it's ready for prime time yet. Anyways, with that, I want to say thank you so much for patching into this episode of the Overnight Escape, much appreciated. I am your host, Frank Edward Nora, and we're here on Onsug Radio, uh, broadcasting from inside a book. Yes. <coughs> Let's go to onsug.com for all the latest news. We have over 14,000 hours of content in the archive. It truly is uh, the mother load, if you're into such things. It's an embarrassment of riches. It really is the best. If you want to hear people talking about all sorts of amazing random topics, insights, memories, 
and it's also we're like your radio pals it's sort of like we're always here for you in the archive and you can hang out with us anytime you want now and into the far future yeah we're a non-commercial project we're very focused on preserving the shows into the far future we have kind of a unique style this is all on sug radio o-n-s-u-g <coughs> short for overnight escape underground Check it out, onsug.com. And as I was talking about earlier, of course, Overnight Scape Central, please, if you can, make an effort to participate more. We would really appreciate it greatly as, uh, you know, the low participation kind of creates kind of a, it's a kind of a bummer, man. <laughs> I know everyone's busy, but we just want to try, you know, if it, I, I, I know I enjoy it so much, and I think you may enjoy it as well. To either start or get back into Overnight Scape Central, just go to onsug.com, find the most recent episode of Overnight Scape Central, and then you can find the topic. And the next topic is the X Factor. <coughs> and because I requested if PQ could do a topic starting with the letter X and a, to- a topic starting with the letter Z, so we would have all the letters of the alphabet. And thankfully he did. Thank you, PQ. Yeah. <coughs> onsug.com. And now we're going to uh, shift on over. If you thought there were too many plutonium uh, animals coming out of your head, plutonium baboons, man, this is the next level. Every kind of plutonium varmint is going to be bouncing around everywhere. Here in The Other Side. 46 after 8. Bronson Pinchot first visited Good Morning America, I guess a little over a year and a half ago, to talk about an upcoming series in which he'd play someone named Balky, an ex-Mediterranean goat herder. It all sounded a little bit odd then. But did Perfect Strangers go on to become a big hit? Don't be ridiculous. Of course it did. He does that better than me. After all, when Balky and his American cousin, played by Mark Lynn Baker, are in the same room, there is not a dull moment, even at the office. <laughs> All right. Good morning to you. Good morning. Physical humor. It's so terrific. I just wonder how it it happens. I mean, who decides that the faces will come together, that the hair will get pulled? Oh, we do. Mark and I do. You, you do? Yeah. I mean, I, and we, you know, we have a director, of course, and we have producers and everything, but at the germ of that is, is, uh, is Mark and me. One of the best things that we ever did, that I mean, one of the funniest things I've ever been involved in was the thing where we were learning how to... Uh, uh, put on skis, and 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 oh, they. It, I forget what was in the script, but it, it was something. It was the equivalent of you know they go crazy, and we put on the skis, and Mark was looking at them and thinking, I I had never been in a pair of skis before, and he put them on, and he just went oh, <laughs> and then I said what, and he like whispered something in my ear, and then we did this bizarre thing where we like leaned in opposite directions, like, and you know, and it, it was all just, just like, kind of came well, together. Well, since he put them on, he just said oh, I get it, and saw what it was, and then explained it to me, and I saw what it was, and and we did it, and I think it's one of the funniest things I ever was part of. And it's been a year and a, about a year and a half, right? Yeah. Since you've been, is it still just as much fun as when you first started doing it? Uh, n- not in the same way. It's, it's so much more serious now because we know what we're capable of and yeah. so we're, our standards are huge and, and the we... the pressure's there too. To... The pressure's, the pressure, the greatest pressure is, is inside of us. I mean, yeah. Mark and I, we drive each other to, you know, to madness because we want every little thing Perfect. And it used to just be, oh, I have a funny idea. You and me will do this and we'll pull each other's hair. And now it's like, let's see, we'll, we'll do the hair beat and then we'll, 
And then we'll do the nose really beat, and then we'll do a thing. And, oh, it's extreme! It's like two pianists, you know, playing. I mean, it's like make every make each note. other crazy a little bit sometimes. Yeah, but in a good way, you in know. We way. drive each other to, to yeah. good stuff. Well, thinking about that and how you put so much of the pressure on yourself, I know that you feel quite a responsibility now. I mean, because everybody that's on a sitcom now they want to be in the movies, and you've been offered a movie role. Yeah. And you say, and you're really kind of looking at any kind of a movie role because of your responsibility to all the fans of Bulky, right? Yeah, I was. Um, uh, uh, shown a script, a comedy script by the Lorimar Film Arm, because they do, you know, the TV show and they also have a film uh -huh. thing. And it, it it was interesting. It was it's about a um, couple of guys, three guys, and one of them is a psychic, and that's the part they wanted me to play. And he's so in touch with the other world that he occasionally like bursts into flames. And you know, I just looked at that and I said, that'll that'll like give nightmares to five year olds. Like, please take that out and little kids are very big fans of that's your what show. I, yeah and i said you know i'm bringing this baggage of 20 million five-year-olds and their mothers who will the five-year-olds will have nightmares and the mothers will say that guy should have seen that in the script and asked them to take that out so ah. it's, it's interesting to look at things that way now because i never did before so they're actually rewriting right well i yeah there i asked them to take the things that were particularly nightmarish out of it or at least consider if that could be done all right, I want to talk about what you're doing here in New York and everything, so let's take a break. We'll come okay. right back in just a moment with more Bronson Pinchot. It is now 53 after we're back talking with everyone's favorite ex-Mediterranean goat herder. <laughs> Stop that. I always wanted to do that. Played to perfection by Bronson Pinchot. You don't have any kind of script or anything, right? You just kind of go out there and go at it. With Mark Lynn Baker. No, we have a... I mean, uh, you, you have an outline, but you have to make the moments. No, we have more than an outline. We have, as a matter of fact, they give us very specific things to do. <laughs> and then you and make if them we, crazy. We and either we can either do them or we have to, or we can show them something that, you know, is really good. But if it stinks, <laughs> then they say, well, why didn't you do this? That's so right. that's one of the things that keeps us trying to think of really yeah. great stuff. Just, just the physical stuff is all that we make up. We don't... I mean, I make up a couple of lines here and there, and Mark... Mark actually comes up with lines for me sometimes, huh? because I'll say, what's a funny way of saying this, and he'll, he'll just come up with it, but, but most of the time we... Well, these two are together, it's great. You're here alone in New York, yes, I just I'm wanted to alone. say that. You do a lot of traveling alone, you went to Belgium Always and Greece alone. alone. A lot of people find that a very scary thing to do. I've traveled alone, I, I, I started traveling alone because the first time I ever had enough money to go to Europe, the first two times I ever went to Europe, I was with, you know, women, and it was fine, but I was always like, you know, had a... I can, I, you hate that I, schedule. I, you know, like the back, I was like, oh, God, you know, do we have to, you know, it's fine, but you have to do, you know, like Henry Higgins says, you choose something <laughs> else that neither wants at all, and you end up, you know, sitting and doing... And you got a lot of material for Belky, too, when you went over to the Mediterranean, right? Oh, yeah, always, because I'm by myself, and people, you can you know, sit and will watch come. the goat herder. Not only <laughs> can you mountain. watch the goat herder, but you can, you know, people will come up and, and ask you what you're doing, and be curious, and you can hear how they talk, and you can talk to them. They never believe me when I, t when I come up to sheep herders in Greece and say, I'm an actor and I play a sheep herder and like, and could I talk no. to you? They just... <laughs> <laughs> so go alone sometime if you have no one to go with. You say, yeah, you'll have a good time. It's good to see you. We'll be back in just a moment.
the vacuum you're gonna make its best appearance. Hey McGrady, McGrady, thank you for saying that we're having a great lemon party. We are having such a great lemon party with all of you. Especially with all of you Yululu says when is the vacuum gonna make its guest appearance? Now please. Now, Who are we to deny you, Lulu? Especially, she's, he? Who's, is it you, Lulu? He? Or she? Anyway, whoever it is is probably thinking about vacuuming. They might be vacuuming already and said, hey. I wonder if those guys are going to vacuum. This is for you, Lulu. This is for you, you, Lulu. It's the invisible vacuum tonight. This is for you, you Lulu. This is for Sulu too. This is for Sulu and you, you Lulu. <laughs> I get it. Don't worry, stranger. I'm here to help. Injected with super serum. Feeling like no one's ever felt. Don't cry, children. I'm here to serve. Red, white, and blue soldier. Gonna take away the Nazis' nerve. But what do we call you? We need to know your name. We need a champion, and you seem pretty game. My name is Captain America. My name is Captain America. My name is Captain America. And I'm here to fight for the free. And I'm here. For the free Your mission, son It's top priority Gotta take down the Red Skull He's the general of the Nazis Don't worry, sir I'm the man for the job Captain America Wipe the floor with that Nazi slob My name is Captain America my name is Captain America My name is Captain America And I'm here to fight for the free And I'm here to fight for the free
I made a lot of money. I made $250,000 from a book and the serial rights, which many of you were good enough to purchase also. In the practice of law, and I'm not claiming I was worth it, but apparently former vice presidents or presidents are worth a great deal to law firms, and I did work pretty hard. But in also in that period, I earned between $100,000 and $250,000 every year. So that when I, in 1968, decided to become a candidate for president, I decided to clean the decks and to put everything in real estate. I sold all my stock for $300,000. That's all I owe. I sold my apartment in New York for $300,000. I'm using rough figures here. And I had $100,000 coming to me from the law firm. And so that's where the money came from. Let me just say this. And I want to say this to the television audience. I made my mistakes. But in all of my years of public life, I have never profited, never profited from public service. I've earned every cent. And in all of my years of public life, I have never obstructed justice. And I think, too, that I can say that in my years of public life, that I welcome this kind of examination because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I've burned everything I've got.
The next time you're hunkering, why not drop it into Dub's Particle Board Restaurant featuring a Spellmorgasbord menu. All you can read for just four and a half dollars. Belly up to the spinning rotunda and select from vibrating concaves of cottage cheese, continental plates of ham moving at you in tectonic fashion. And there's a whole reservoir of gravy awaiting your approval. And I'm sure you'll give a nod to the whirling peach cob dervishes. And pylon. As many helpings as you deem necessary. And when you want more, just get out of your chair. It's there behind you, and we don't care how many times. Our hole-in-the-wall crew chefs will reload an equator full of new portions to move before the wanting retinas of waiting patrons. Yes, there's soft drinks and coffee and bottomless cups and for dessert. A senses-shattering selection of pies and a pudding that just won't quit. 
And there's cabinets of ice cream under analysis and an aisle of soup bowls. Ah yes, that's Dub's Particle Board Restaurant. We don't remember what shopping mall that's located at. Marshall Fields is having a white sale to make your dreams come true. Start by registering to win a trip to one of six exciting cities. Then check out the savings on luxurious designer bedding by Wamsutta. You'll love these beautiful patterns designed by Christian Dior and Sybil Connolly. Match up sheets, comforters, and pillow shams. Now's the time to save on beautiful designer bedding coordinates by Wamsutta and register to win the vacation of a lifetime during Marshall Fields' fabulous dream sale.
I'm not gonna do just any commercial. I'm not gonna sell out. U.S. Open champion Monica Seles. I'm not giving up my acting lessons. No way. And I'm not going to Disney World. stories in the Chum City building. This is one of them. What 
what's new and in stock at the city store. Hi, Denise. Hi, Brooke. What's hot? Lots. BT poster. Oh, from the subway. Right. Fashion television mock neck, 100% cotton. Great colors. What else? Lots of stuff over here. I'm a city line kid. Oh, is that adorable? That also, new music, new logo. Great. Yeah. What Last else? but not least, a city TV everywhere poster. Ah, oh, city pulse the best. Here's the modern classic among motor cars. Elegance in every graceful line. 
the new long look that goes with 124 full inches of wheelbase. And highlighting the classic style on the 98, a new extra long rear deck with all the sweep and flow of a racing cruiser. That scriptwriter's got something there. They'll all be copying this long rear deck. Okay, take 10 while we get the camera set up. And did you see the interior? Yes. That's what I call the come-hither look. Mmm, what a rich, beautiful broadcloth. Yes. They have it in green, too. All the fittings harmonize perfectly with the upholstery color. Just like a custom-built car. Well, Oldsmobile calls these custom lounge cushions. Foam rubber or full pillow of it. The whole rear compartment is wider and more luxurious. And the armrests. Not just tacked on, but a real part of the door. Everything's more luxurious. That light. And a roll-top ashtray. And real carpet on the floor. Tailored to a queen's taste. All right, now, boys, here's what we'll do. We want to open with a full side shot of the four-door. Then we get a slow dolly in as Lucille enters from the right. Then I think we should get a series of... What's the matter with you guys? Oh, man, oh, man, I see what you mean. Boys, that's the glamour star of our picture, the new 98 holiday. <laughs> Look at the gals move in. Excuse me, boys. Oh, Mr. Hadley, this is for me. This is the absolute last word. Miss Lane, you should appreciate the trim on this car. High style, isn't it? This is really glamorous. Right. Well, girls, we've got to get back to work. Lucille, Mr. Rigney has unloaded the engine display. It'd be a good idea for you to have a look. He'll tell you all about it. As soon as I change, Mr. Hadley. All right. Oh, what a beautiful color. This is a beautiful car. Say, Eddie, would you give me a hand here? Okay! Now, you fellas keep out of the way. I'll be right back. Sure, sure. Would you take this air cleaner over to the truck? Sure. Well, Mr. Rigney, Mr. Hadley suggests that you tell me a little about the engine so when we come to the scene, I'll know what goes. Why, surely. Oh, you. You two know each other? Well, uh, not exactly. I've, I've been trying to. In fact... He chased me on the road. He annoyed me at the lodge. He ruined a perfectly good take. But we don't know each other. And let's keep it that way. What were you saying about the engine, Mr. Rigney? Well, this is confidential, you know. Oh, I won't tell a soul. Scout's honor. Talent scout, that is.
Game fanatics from kids to businessmen are packing into the nation's arcades to play Pac-Man. It's the latest electronic toy. It's already more popular than Space Invaders or Missile Command. So if you're a Pac-Man addict, there's good news. Frank Casey spoke to a man who has found the secret of saving some of your quarters and conquering the game. Marvelous. Captivating. Fantastic. What they are describing in such glowing terms is Pac-Man, a video game made in Japan. Pac-Man is a little round yellow fellow with a big mouth. He scoots around the game board gobbling up white dots while being chased by four different colored monsters. The player, using a control knob or a joystick, tries to keep Pac-Man from being devoured by the monsters. The more he eats without being eaten, the higher the score. He has anywhere from two to four lives. After that, another 25 cents, please. For all you Pac-Man maniacs out there who are getting the screaming memes trying to beat the game, there's a new book out, Mastering Pac-Man. It tells you how to do it. I understand it has already sold more than three quarters of a million copies. It's only been out about ten days. The man who mastered the monster and wrote the book is Ken Houston. He has a B.A. in economics from Yale and an M.B.A. from Harvard. He's well known as one of the world's best blackjack players. He just got into Pac-Man because I sort of enjoyed the game, and then it became a challenge because I realized that you can figure the game out, sort of just like blackjack. There's certain patterns that you can figure out. It tells you how, how to go around the board and what movements to make. And theoretically, if you play these patterns correctly, you can play this game forever until you fall asleep or make a mistake. The other monsters are turning blue, and when they turn blue, effectively, uh, then you can eat the monsters. So now, you see, I can gobble up the monsters. They're of no danger to me now. That's what makes this game particularly fascinating. You can sort of turn the tables on the, on the monsters. There we go. 
I suppose everybody has his or her own reason for playing this game. Maybe there's something symbolic in it. Perhaps a game of our time. It is a dog-eat-dog or, say, Pac-Man-eat-Pac-Man world. I'm Frank Casey, Independent Network News, New York. Excuse me. And that's our report for Wednesday, January 27th, 1982. Thank you for joining us. Independent Network News, brought to you by Sanga Brand and by Kellogg's Product 19.